We all tell ourselves stories of who we are and why. But we forget that we have the power to define them. That no idea grows from mewling striped gum to teeth in your throne tiger without a little help, some guidance, and a whole lot of love along the way. I'm Jaren Surf, and this is Here Be Tigers. Hell, this episode was mostly a lark with a few fans from our shows who wanted a little reprieve from this year in the way that it sometimes goes. So we decided to watch some movies, games, and shows that were great, and others less so, while we were waiting for our new gear, and to share a little bit of the levity for which both our end of the year episodes and sibling shows, The Geekly Oddcast and Auto Worlds, are now. We hope you enjoy. Well, I'm Jared Surf, storytelling coach and host of Ruby Tigers, and we are filling in for Tom on the Geekly Oddcast, who is currently on the lamb from, I presume, some type of mutant vegetable person who is possessed by white hair and stabbing tendencies. Here with me today are Ani and Andrew from our last set of reviews, and we will resume our conversation about Dragonlance when Tom was brought back kicking and screaming to this universe. But in the meantime, we are here to discuss the witchery. So before we dig into it, you guys have had varying levels of experience with that narrative, correct? Both in game and book format? Mm-hmm. Never read the books, but I've watched the whole series and I did watch like a tiny recap of the games before starting Witcher 3. I have watched the series. I've played Witcher 3, and I've played a little bit of Witcher 1, but I have not read any of the books. I, meanwhile, have experienced mostly the grimdark memes, so this was entirely new to me. But then again, it's Henry Cavill on Netflix being blunt, grim, and stabbing people, which is... I don't know. I'm still divided on the episode. This was episode one, by the way, so if you guys wish to watch and listen to that prior to the review, this is a wise idea, because we are in all likelihood going to ruin it. So, initial thoughts and impressions, having experienced the story before, parts of where does this episode sit in your understanding of the Witcher narrative? Well, I actually, after watching the show, because I was very confused, I went back and read a little bit of the lore, and there's a very nice map online that you can find where everything sits nicely in a timeline because one of my major beefs with the witcher is you have no idea when anything is happening in the time frame especially because i went in going at like after like witcher 3 playing the game and it's like what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) so in episode one, is everything occurring between the battle where the princess flees and Geralt fighting his uh, first wizard granted quest? Are those all occurring within the same time period or does one precede the other? They are not in the same time period at all. I okay. think around 70 to 90 years later when the princess is fleeing versus when Geralt has his fun time with Renfri. So he is old. He's. I think he's immortal. I'm pretty sure, or some, or something like uh, Aragorn's like long life type thing. Yeah, I. I don't think it's fully. At least I've never read the books, so I don't know what the books say. 
But from my understanding, they just have a very long life. And because they're witchers and they kill monsters, they mostly end their lives, you know, via being killed in battle. Yeah. So They did refer to him as a mutant of some type. Is it simply just a varying strain of blood-like? No, it's um, because they go over this in Witcher 3. What it is is that they take, uh, like... I'm not sure how this, like, the recruitment process work. I think it's boys are taken at a young age to uh, one of the Witcher schools, like Gerald mentioned, Rivia, which is the school of the wolf. And they have to go through a series of trials and are essentially created after that. But they survive. So this is similar in certain narrative contrivances to, say, like the Grey Wardens in Dragon Age, where Mm -hmm. you undergo rites of initiations and the like, and should you survive all of those, you get to be a monster slayer. Yeah. Yeah, sort of. They basically feed different poisons to the kids, and if you manage to survive the battle training, plus the poison training... (laughs) Oh, please tell me Wallace Shawn is one of the instructors. Oh, God, that'd be delightful. Mm. <laughs> you sound sad now. <laughs> I'm just picturing, I picture, because there's a scene in Witcher 3 where he's reminiscing about the trials as he's back in Rivia. And I'm just picturing, the, I'm also just picturing Wallace Shawn in that scene. <laughs> okay. He's not even doing anything, he's just in the background. <laughs> Waving and making faces. <laughs> I remember you when you were a little tight. And we first fed you mandrake root, or was it some other kind of poison? I can never remember. I've had them all. (laughs) So, yeah, they have, like, weird mutagens and whatever introduced into their bodies to create the whole witcher nonsense. Blue, you might know this, but I'm not sure how it's explained in the lore, because in the game, it's just a mechanic in the menus. (laughs) So. That salad he's making in the forest, is that to reinvigorate him or to consume more poisons? Is this kind of like a Rappuccini's daughter scenario where he has to be replenished? Uh, Yeah, I don't know if the salad has anything to do with it, but he basically has different kinds of potions that he can take into his body to basically make him more strong or like endurance or whatever other abilities to enhance them. And there's also a big thing with like, because one of the other mechanics, like, with the whole game is, like, you can craft, like, specific oils depending on, like, what monster you'll be fighting. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, so I'm going to fight this griffin, so let me prepare some blade oils to help with that kind of thing. So it could be that, too. So the initial book series were, were, were these were not authored in English. They were translated from... Polish. Polish, yes. This, and it's a well-known fra- narrative. Would you call it perhaps beloved or fair or popular, I suppose, within that community? And they started what? I'm trying to remember, like, five, ten years ago at least. I think they, the official series is called Time of Contempt, if you want to look it up. Here's some more that Cavill sounds mustaches in it. Netflix, The Witcher Games. I do love, though, everything but the book comes up now when you search for it. <laughs> yeah. It's mildly depressing. Apparently, the book is a collection of short stories, from what I've heard. Are the games probably a significant adaptation from that, then? I would imagine. I think so. 
Okay, yeah. right. The Last Wish, the first book, came out in 1993. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I think the only reason it might have gotten into circulation is just because of the games came out, and it's like, oh, they're based on a book, so that's mm-hmm. probably why. 50 million yeah. copies sold worldwide. Yeah, apparently the author is super salty because he sold <laughs> the rights to the games no. with one a one-time fee because he never figured that it would be popular. Oh. But oh. then <laughs> Witcher became a thing, and now he's like, I want a piece of that pie. But Meanwhile, Jim Henson is rolling in his grave at the Dark Crystal Strategy RPG. Mm-hmm. Wait, there's a Dark Crystal Strategy RPG? <laughs> oh, my friend, yes. <laughs> oh god boy <laughs> we're going to inflict it upon you and i but, think but is it are, are we talking like like a diablo or like a like no, what, no. what we're kind of strategy we're gonna, we're gonna, rpg we're, are we're we talking, talking final about? fantasy tactics we're going to mimic the motions of the puppets in battle oh my god Amazing. no oh yes <laughs> I think the idea is based off of an adaptation of the narrative in the other Netflix. I mean, you know, not to count Netflix, which you can find the Witcher adaptation television show on, but in one of the other series they've modified, there's a prequel to the Dark Crystal because money. And uh, this game is yet another way to ingest that narrative. Dark fantasy is a difficult genre, right? It's very easy to lampoon, as we obviously did during our watching of the episode. Yeah. and let me ask you, is it, is it a genre both of you like to dive into, or is Witcher kind of an exception to that? I have played games somewhere in the past, but and I like high fantasy. Well, I read a lot of high fantasy when I was younger. I haven't read so many in the last 10 or so years, but I personally enjoyed the show quite a bit. After I understood the timeline shenanigans, <laughs> that was its whole entire thing. But hey, please send me the link so I can understand it. <laughs> I can try to find a... Oh my goodness, I just found a Venn diagram for speculative fiction. <laughs> That's kind of terrifying. <laughs> but it's definitely enjoyable, I think. Even though it is quite dark and grim and there's not a lot of hope. There's, you know, that one spark. How many princesses did we kill in the first episode? She was hot. Is that the reason it's sad? No, she was kick-ass. Did you see that fight scene? The the choreography in this, as well as the costume work, were both spectacular. They're amazing, and the music is so good. I would definitely recommend suggest like to go in and listen to the soundtrack, which is mm-hmm. available. You guys read Robert Howard's Conan series? I have not. Okay. No, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts because the the genre has evolved certainly over ages, and to be fair. I will take Henry Cavill over Arnold Schwarzenegger fighting. Well, no, okay. There's one notable exception. Arnold Schwarzenegger played Conan, I think, in at least two movies. And the villain, you'll recognize, because for some reason they typecast him as evil sorcerers during this giant time period, was no one less than James Earl Jones, which you guys listening at home might recognize also as the voice of Omadon, the evil wizard from Flight of Dragons. I don't quite know who they cast for. Actually, I think the name is in the credits. And it's a recognizable actor. The, the cast for the evil wizard in this one is per se up to the caliber of James Earl Jones being a camp evil wizard. But then again, my sense is we weren't trying to aim for camp so much this time, right? No, it's, it's 
takes itself pretty seriously. They actually managed to pull it off pretty well. Like, I'm very hard to impress with shows, but I have to be frank, and I did enjoy The Witcher. Again, minus the timeline shenanigans. <laughs> yeah. Still. What are, your, what are your criteria for good fantasy? The story needs to be good. I'm very picky about the actual story and what's going on. And if I guess everything that's going to happen in an episode, I'm immediately bored. And as you saw in The Witcher, you have no idea what the fuck's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. One minute to the next, because it keeps on jumping all over the place. And no idea what's going on. Andrew, how about yourself? I would also say good story, but for me, it's not like if the world is either more so like I think like I could also get into a world like with a terrible story is the thing for me. Like I can go either way. <laughs> Um, okay i want to hear an example now <laughs> like just like if like something like I, I can't think of an example i i there's something but i can't remember it is the thing but like at, at least not like a terrible story but like sure. something that at least like makes some sense you know it doesn't have to be original or stellar per se it just has to be engaging on some level. yeah okay. it's like the letter to the king if either of you watched that i did yeah, it, it's oh. a trip. It's a whole entire trip, but it was enjoyable, even though it was very bad. Six episodes. Well, again, my understanding, this is a fairly well-established fantasy series and long verbose novels, but they somehow managed to crush it down into six episodes. And by managed, I mean <laughs> they used... Scrape the bottom of the barrel to get by with it. They, they used sorcery, dark sorcery. <laughs> yeah. When it comes to adapting stories or experiencing stories that you've played as games, how do you decide to separate or do you decide to separate those two experiences? Um, it depends. The game and like in The Witcher, for instance, the show happens many, many years before the game exists. Like the storyline, timeline exists. It's way later. So it's very easy to separate them from each other because they don't really have that much to do with each other. It's just the history of the other one, right? The games or the show is the history of the games. A lot easier to separate in that way. But if it is a straight adoption, one-to-one, it's hard. It's hard, man. I, especially, I think it also is the fact that like with video games, you kind of have to like, because like there's, there's a thing in video game design called the silent protagonist. Mm -hmm. where it's essentially just like you have no dialogue you just uh do things go here kind of thing and especially with these adaptations it can be hard to do because it's like <laughs> how, how do you no i just mean like how do you give no. control to the character kind of thing i'm just seeing henry cavill with emojis now <laughs> <laughs> no one's at all just the, the grimace face the, the 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 frustration lines or the teardrop of sweat <laughs> That's pretty much all he says anyway. <laughs> to be fair, yeah, we did call him out during the actually watching the episode. I think he said he's got three levels of conversation. That's cool. What do you want me to kill? <laughs> and then there was, there was the third beat, which is the... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just grunting. Yeah. If, if they had muted him entirely, it might have been a fascinating experience, because then you could always imagine what's said. Cavill might have uh, revolted. But. but I mean, it's also like I, given that this is seems like to be more from the books, they're actually portraying him as an actual character mm -hmm. versus being the protagonist kind of thing. 
Is he more of a cipher in the games? Uh, I mean, he, he he talks, definitely, but it's not like... This <laughs> is <laughs> still our defense. Oh, words come out of his mouth, but... No, no, I just... I mean, like, it's not like in, like, Fallout 4, for example, where the main character has dialogue, but it's like, you you pretty much make make them say whatever you want kind of thing. Yeah. Like, the most, the most you'll get in the Witcher games is, like, a sarcastic response. Well, the Witcher 1 and 2, they're very story-heavy, right? So it's a yeah. linear gameplay. Meanwhile, in The Witcher 3, you can kind of go wherever you want. There is still story, don't get me wrong, but it's more like Skyrim, where you can just, after the intro map, you can just go kind of wherever. Un- unpopular opinion time, Witcher 3 is a better game than Skyrim. <laughs> oh, you monster. Skyrim is probably the game I've played the most ever in my life. <laughs> I I want to listen to you guys play Daggerfall someday. The precursor to Skyrim, which ran in DOS. Oh, wow. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That is from my adolescence. And you you haven't experienced true digital horror until you've been walking through a dungeon and hear a skeleton or a lich screaming, and you fall into a gap between the walls as it murders you. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> or for some reason, no matter how good your thievery is, the town safety and security will always be there the moment you fail a picklock roll. Granted, you could also do terrible shenanigans with magic, but I don't know if this persists in Skyrim because I haven't played it, but leveling up in the Daggerfall era, you had to choose which skills were your primaries and secondaries, and as you increase those, you gain levels, which meant if you were a true power gamer, you chose run, jump, and other easy, repeatable motions that you could max out quickly as your main talents. <laughs> That's kind of the same in Skyrim. Similar, yeah. But pretty much it's more like, oh, I want to have a hundred smithing. Time to buy a bunch of iron and make a bunch of daggers. Yeah. Uh, Just grind that. Don't you love the MMO mechanics in single player games? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, EA. Well, Skyrim is the first one where you don't get... For example, in the earlier games of the Elder Scrolls, you could just jump a lot and you could increase your acrobatics and all that stuff very easily. But in Skyrim, they made it a bit harder, quote unquote. No, they didn't. You just got to find the glitchy spot and then you get to the top of the mountain. <laughs> you mean you can't just put a rock on your space bar and walk away? Yeah. <laughs> you stack up bodies, uh, jump on them, and then suddenly you're at the throat of the world. Mm hmm. I have to confess, even though I've played Skyrim a lot, I have never beat this game because <laughs> restart the, ca- the whole game with the same exact character, with the same exact build, and then just replay it without actually doing the story. I'm a terrible gamer. Do you find yourself doing that in open world games often? Absolutely, 100%. This is a, a mild tangent, but we'll look back around to it. And Tom isn't here to stop me, so... I had an interesting chat with a fellow who plays Final Fantasy XIV not to save the universe from the horrors that ensue, but to play a literal anti-hero, just worn out, bedraggled, dark paladin or knight, sitting in taverns, slaying monsters and chilling in the fantasy setting. And it was fascinating because here I am talking about my interpretation of the characters and the experience within the narrative, the Ludo narrative, as it were. And he's going, I don't don't really give a shit about any of that. I just like to, you know, poke around and craft and shit. 
And that was his his fun, his real fun in the game, the leveling up class and all that secondary. The I, I'm not the hero saving the day. I'm just the guy from this population that lives in this part of the world as an adventurer and potters around doing adventuring things. And it's interesting because the game allowed for both of those funds to exist. Do you find the Witcher game lent itself to a certain way to play or was it open enough to allow for this preference to? I feel the Witcher, it's not as expansive as, you know, MMOs because they keep on adding new stuff into MMOs. There's like DLC, but it's not the same. It's hard for me to say. Maybe Andrew knows more. Um, I would honestly say it's more open world in the fact that like there's just a lot of stuff you can do. Like I don't, I think it does kind of typecast you to be like the standard hero in the witcher 3 like it's not like it's not something like world of warcraft where it's like there is no real like there's story but once you're past 20th level that's just when you go out into the world and you like just pick up quests and none of them are like stop the great bad evil it's just you do that once you're level 100 and then you engage with the story that way is the thing like Witcher 3 is definitely, like, you can explore and do all these cool things, but you are definitely, like, you are the hero, you are Geralt, and you are killing monsters. It's just, how do you approach that kind of thing? Yeah, it makes sense, because you're literally typecast as one character. Meanwhile, in games like Skyrim, you make your own character. You can be whatever you want. And even then, like, Skyrim, not I wouldn't say not to the extent that World of Warcraft has it, but... Like Skyrim, you can definitely do like a more anti-villainous hero where in World of Warcraft, it's kind of just like, you're not really the hero, but you can, you're basically stuck doing quests to help people. Like there's no real thieves guild or anything to join like that. I don't think. You're just that gal or that guy or that person who happens kind to Kind of, yeah, there. but it's, it's like, there's no, it's not like the god awful Elder Scrolls online where it's like, you are the chosen one, young man. You must go and stop the evil coming from oblivion. Hmm? So let, let's dig into that a bit, because we've talked on the show before a while back about the whole idea of the chosen one narrative and its persistence in particularly fantasy settings, both as games and narratives. The Witcher kind of takes an unusual approach to that, because there are schools, as you said, of witchers. There's no chosen witcher to lead them all. There's no witcher king or witch king. But Geralt is the POV character for the narrative, particularly as you said by three. Do you find that refreshing, this separation from the you are the chosen one, please don't say no, otherwise the game won't go anywhere? Honestly, yes, because fucking Elder Scrolls Online does it so awful. (laughs) And I I went back to that. If we get into this tangent, we do. I I would like to let Blue go first. But there there is a tangent there with Chosen One narrative in Elder Scrolls Online. Greta, we uh, have an episode yet to complete. (laughs) Oh, I was going to let Blue go first. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's a refreshing way of looking at it where you're not like you said, the epitome, the grand chosen one from the whatever lore, you know. But even with the Witcher... You are the dragon man. You must ride the dragons into battle and stop the evil wizard. Exactly. Or like with a lot of other games. It is always an evil, an evil wizard at the end of things, isn't it? 
Yeah, like in Dragon Age as well. Oh, God. <laughs> you guys have both played Dragon Age, right? I have not played Dragon Age. Okay. I've, I've played Inquisition to the point where I could sleep with Dorian, and then I quit. <laughs> <laughs> because that was disappointing or because you had achieved victory in the game? That was my victory in the <laughs> game. <laughs> Wait, you, you didn't want to hang around for Dorian and Bull to have their thing too, or for Cassandra to groan at all the awful goings on? No, I literally quit at that point. <laughs> Over leveled, and I just had a bad time. I just went somewhere and I could kill everything instantly. I'm like, okay, I'm done now. You're the worst people to review RPGs. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I played that game right. Dragon Age is fascinating, and I won't spoil anything for Andrew because I think it is worth playing the series. They're seminal in a lot of ways, and it is another interesting take on the grim, dark narrative and mm-hmm. moments of hope between. But I know the moment in Inquisition that made me very sad, trademark, was the discovery that, oh, that horrible guy I killed in the DLC, the game before, who had narrative ties to the hero on that, and yeah, fits into the lore of the world and all that shenanigans, is back as the villain. That's the worst cop-out. And the worst part is, it made sense, but it also... It wasn't the worst cop-out on the game because the worst cop-out in the game, they won't let me talk about it on the show anymore because it pisses me off so much. <laughs> All I will say is, because we're going to do a Heroes and Villains episode, and I'd be curious for you guys to be on that too, Bruce. Mm-hmm. When you have an incredibly dynamic, thing, let's say, for instance, if Witcher 4 came out and Geralt wasn't in the game at all, not even... So even if you had some other playable characters, Apprentice or whatever, just another Witcher, Geralt just wasn't there, period. Or some contrivance occurred at the beginning of Richard Four when, oh, Geralt's dead, you're taking over. If I could play a lady, I would be 100% down. I, I figured if they if that was an actual thing, it would probably be Siri. Mm-hmm. I would love to play her. That would be so cool. See, and that would make sense, right? But there would be some cont- continuity from the narrative. The previous game, right? yeah. yeah. In this case, they have an incredibly powerful, mysterious, evil, not really evil, but who knows which, you don't know. Is she a witch? Is she a dragon? Is she some ancient demigod or whatever? It's unclear. She's powerful and mysterious and loves to lie and confabulate and manipulates her daughters consistently throughout the first game. She appears in the second as a side character and then the third in a really powerful but bit role. Then the actual, 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 actual villain knocks her off to take over for the rest of the series. And it's at the very end of the, of the game, right before the epilogue stuff comes up and all i could think is we finally have this real confrontation where the villain of the backs of the background finally comes to the fore gains her full power and she's dead that sounds so anticlimactic yeah and that that was my feeling i i, I want to fight you now because this she's this whole monologue about my vengeance is due and all the reasons women have been fucked over in the setting all there's all this build up to okay yeah this is this is coming. This has been due since, since game one, right? Yeah, she did. And I guess it, it's, a, it's a complaint I have in these kinds of games where potential doesn't actually doesn't actualize, right? Where you have this whole thread that just doesn't come to the fore. So I'm curious now, kind of pulling back circle, Andrew will get to your beef, but we do have an actual thread to touch before we get there. The Witcher is a chronicle-style narrative, right? Each game is its own kind of self-contained story. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Is there I, I think I, if they're connected, it's not like 
it, it, it's it's not so much like you go to the first places in the first game kind of thing if you're playing the second. Yeah, it it is a continuous story where you follow Geralt and his adventures, and it's it is continuous in the way that he does age and he like goes forward, you know, in time. Sure. Yeah, like God but, of War. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's more of a I can start playing Witcher three without knowing anything that happens in the previous games and still enjoy it because it actually brings everything into the story that I need to know about the characters. Yeah. How many RPGs fail to do that? We have never mentioned any on this show. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do we want to get into Elder Scrolls Online? <laughs> and I just led you into a tangent, didn't I? Take it take right ahead. So to kind of explain a bit, Elder Scrolls Online, because I, it's, oh God. So pretty much you're this, you start out, because the whole thing is, so have either of you played Oblivion? Yes, a little bit. Do you know how like in that game, like the whole game is centered around a uh, Moag ball coming into the real world from Oblivion? Mm-hmm. Okay. Basically, that's happening again, but instead of everything being red, it's purple. Sure. <laughs> okay. For some reason, and he, he has these freaking chain spiral things of death that came out of Final Fantasy, and it's <laughs> so strange and weird. And oh, that means he's going to turn to a silver-haired pretty boy in the next game. We can only hope. I <laughs> I could see that happening because it, it's. <laughs> but basically, the whole tangent is that. For an MMO, I would say this is entirely bad design because the story aspect is that you, the player, are the chosen one that is supposed to stop Molag Ball from coming out again. Sure. And I remember in the scene where the like guide is explaining this, and it's like, who are these two other players here? Why are why are they in the cave with me? Are that what what is their purpose here? They are the unchosen ones. Who will die in this very cave? I honestly stopped playing after that scene because, like, I think it fails horribly as a narrative for an MMO. Because it's like, even in like, like Final Fantasy fourteen, it's like you're just you're another hero stopping the big bad evil. You're not chosen or anything like that. Have you finished up to the last expansion? No. Okay, I won't spoil anything, but it is an interesting dichotomy because there are often you start off as an adventurer and then you survive. And it's partly the whole echo mechanic, the will of the world is on your side, so things occasionally get skewed in your favor. Although even that in later expansions gets used against you in interesting and creative ways. Okay. But eventually, when you find early on, this isn't a big spoiler, the Askins are the big overarching evil. They're the, we're going to destroy everything because we want to put the world back to the way it was. That's their thing, right? Right, And unfortunately, y'all have to die to do that. So, bye. You unravel more threats to that, and it is explained why you are some, in some ways remarkable beyond the ilk you have risen from. But at this point, you've gone through at least a decade worth of narratives and are effectively leagues above your companions who still travel with you. So, yeah, you, you, you went from the nobody adventure puttering around in town killing ladybugs to... God Slayer, Demon Feller, and 
But that's still abomination. Like you, yeah. Even with that, that's not a chosen one. That's just no. The oh. irony is, everyone chooses you, and you can actually in the later X Pack say, "I would rather not." Yeah. Or like it's it's exactly like like sure the world skews it in your favor, but you're not exactly chosen for it. Is the thing. No, you're among others who have been given this gift, and you get to. And as some players, as I mentioned, do some folks can indulge in the indulge the wrong, but engage in the the narrative of, oh yeah, I'm going to live in, I'm going to insert my interpretation of this character, the warrior of light, into the story, and give them through the multiple interactions and people's behaviors, etc., their character. Others just divorce from that narrative, and you can do either. I'm curious if the Witcher game were to become a multiplayer or more expansive story where you could play something other or someone other than Geralt, or as we've mentioned before, Siri, right? What would you want to see? If it was specifically multiplayer, like an MMO, I would be fine if you were just another Witcher and like pretty much the whole game was just you going around slaying monsters. Like there was more so like there's, there are, there's a plot happening, but it's not like, it's more like Nilfgaard is invading or like nations are dying or something like that. Like there's no, it's not so much like with, yeah, like not so much with Witcher 3 where like the wild hunt is the big bad. It's just like the world has things happening in it, but you are just a lowly Witcher who is out killing the griffins and the like. Yeah, I agree. That would be a pretty cool concept where I also think it would be nice if you could actually learn more about the other Witcher schools. And you could be a part of another school, not just the school of the wolf. So I think that would be a very neat thing that they could do. Well, because it reveals more of the world and gives you kind of your own place within it, like the series does here on Netflix. It doesn't explore the known as Oblivion seemed to do. Wait, let's go fight the boss you already fought, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And invalidate that entire experience of your single person game. Oh, you thought you won, but he's back. Still better than Elder Scrolls Online by far. <laughs> better than RuneScape, though? No. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Ooh, that is no, lot. no, it is definitely better than RuneScape. Pretty much. <laughs> you, want, you want to know my experience playing Elder Scrolls Online? I did like five story quests, and then I pretty much was like, okay, I'm bored now, and I want to go to Skyrim to see if I can. And then it's like, oh, this is. The level 40 to 50 area, so you can't go here. Ooh, fun. So what we're seeing here, just paint a picture for the audience, it's kind of like a maple story side-scrolling game where you're a chibi witcher. That'd be adorable. What <laughs> 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 with cute little grins. It's no no I, I'm picturing like something like a flappy bird thing that's like Gerald. <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> and instead of like the stupid duck noises, it's just <clears throat> <laughs> and you have to keep on drinking Gross. poison, or, and you have to keep drinking poison, or you'll die while the horse runs yeah. Witcher, it's a stupid flappy bird game. They gotta drink the poison. I don't know why I'm Batman. Siri, Siri popping in every now and then, pixie wings because you always have your no. Siri's the tutorial. Oh God! Yes. Oh no! Remember to drink poisons after uh, jumping every mouth. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll lose your boost power. <laughs> Remember to stop by Roach. He'll give you a speed boost. Oh, my God. Yeah, you have, to, you have to bounce off of Roach every now and then to get your boost back up. Keep moving. Roach, you better stay steady now. 
I don't want to have to go back into the night. <laughs> I still hope they have enough room to give him a little Henry Cavill gray mustache. <laughs> Actually, yes, yeah, it's, it's it's you do it like you know in, in modern pixel form, so it looks like a souped-up Mario with the little gray hair, stringy hair, and the little mustache, and nothing else discernible. Oh no! <laughs> Instead of Goombas's Griffins, over oh, terrible people. Mm-hmm. Gotta kill those Griffins. Gotta kill the undead. I gotta drink the poison and then put the poison on my sword to kill the griffins. I kind of want to. So I don't know if you guys played Final Fantasy XV, but there was one of the most obnoxious commercial integrations ever in a game. And blatantly so too. Cup Noodles paid for some type of sponsorship. And if you read the AMA on Reddit, the voice actors had many things to say about it. So they got together and gave their reads, which were awful. And then to make sure those reads were used, they gave even worse ones. Is there like I I I have played like fifteen minutes into the fifteen? Is there like a scene where they're in the car and it's like, man, these cup noodles we got are pretty good. Oh no, it's even worse. It's a whole side quest and hunt arc in one of the big cities. Oh Um, my god! Or you get to hear Gladio talking about "Mm, I could really use beef drumsticks in my cup of noodles. I really like the chicken powdered flavoring in my cup noodles. Oh, hey, want fried zoo legs in mine, thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, the oh. first time it came up, I accidentally propped the question. Went, what the? F-? And I <laughs> looked up and went, oh, okay, good. It's deliberate. <laughs> I, I've got a chocobo feather in my cup noodles. I You you almost have to when it's that obtrusive. To be fair, this is, this is a game where you go to visit a beautiful, famous city, and there is one of the side characters, Luna's wedding dress, and it is a an established real-world designer name underneath the dress. So there are nods to the real world there. Do you remember, like, a couple years ago when, like, fashion magazines would use Final Fantasy characters? Oh, my God. Why did they never use lightning in the last game? Because nobody likes Final Fantasy XIII. <laughs> I'll find someone. <laughs> We will, by the time we have our review episode for that show, find at least one person who can defend that game. They have to exist. It must. Look, it, it gets really good past that big golem scene in the in the first game. That's oh. bullshit and the reason I stopped playing it. We do need to do a remake game, but we'll have to get some more people. I have to finish it first before I'll technically have to start it too, but... Well, we will get to that. So if you guys are interested, by the way, in any Final Fantasies, we can excerpt this. Sorry, Tom. Do let us know, because we'll resume those uh, when all of the brothers have reconvened. Are we still, is it still in circulation about that Seven Samurai game for second edition? Oh, man, right. We should do that. That would be really cool. I'm just, I I, I brought it up because were we thinking of doing it as a narrative? Ken would totally run that Dark Sun game. I know he's looking to do Mothership right now, which is think play playing through Alien, except as a tabletop, where you're going to get sucked out of the airport, or something's going to turn your brain into jelly and stuff like that. Yeah, you're not surviving. <laughs> I could run it by him. He would probably be keen on doing some type of Dark Sun style game, and it would fit in with, if not Dark Sun, then Ravenloft, which would be the other one. But are we doing, my question is, are we doing it like strictly Dark Sun, like a D&D narrative? Or are we doing it more like Dark Sun, but it's Japan kind of thing? I'm just, I was, I was confused. I, on I mean, he's watched enough anime to do a Dark Sun version. <laughs> it would be, I mean, it's up to, it's up to him at that point. <laughs> we have to pull Steven on at some point. He had during the, again, these are, oh, I don't know. 
I'll leave it to Tom to cut this out or not. We're almost at the end anyway. But during our first season, we were looking at alien invasions and all their various permutations. And Stephen wanted to do a Neon Genesis Evangelion-inspired game because he found a giant robot anime game mm-hmm. to oh, run us through. And he, he had some type of evil, dark, convoluted premise that we tortured him with by letting Pablo make some type of weird... Pablo wanted to play the half-foreign character. I don't know how the tangent started, but eventually this led to him having his co-pilot be his girlfriend, Potato Cun, who was not a pillow, but a sack of potatoes with a girlfriend pillowcase on it. Oh, my God. <laughs> and when we introduced Potato Cun to Stephen, he was not happy. I can't imagine why. So, yeah, no, we could we could do this. We could... I'll throw this out there, Andrew. You said you've run games in the past too. If I, if you would like to do kind of a Witcher style grim dark game, we can find a system that will put, that will live up to that and have it in our rotation. I mean, I'd be down. I just, I kind of, I'm trying to think what we what we would have to do for it because, like, I'm I'm trying to think how to like if we were to find a system, how would we translate it to the like? Because would we be a like in the world, or would we all be like we're a group of Witchers kind of thing? If we're going to do it in the Seven Samurai season, a group of untrained witchers might be entertaining. Mm-hmm. Or okay. equally entertaining might be that the witchers, the monster, and we're the villagers. Oh, no. <laughs> we're the villagers. <laughs> oh, God. What's that? There's a system that I was looking at trying. And this might be if we do, if we were to use it for a witcher game. What's it called? It's like, it has a weird Z name, like Zera. Oh god, what is it? It's like it's either a dark fantasy game or it's like a realistic medieval ages game that's a tabletop. Oh yeah, here it is. Zay Wehinder. What? Z W E I Zweihander. Yes, Zweihander. Zweihander is in the two-handed sword. Yes. Oh my goodness. Zweihander tabletop RPG. Yeah, here it is. Grim and perilous RPG. <laughs> oh no! I uh, yeah, you know what? Send this to us on the Discord so we can put it in. That would I blue if you're just, so. I w- you can set up the premise, but I do think it'd be kind of darkly hilarious if none of us were the Witcher. We could do that. <laughs> but mm-hmm. still, like, no. What it would be is like we're still fighting Griffins. And we're just <laughs> unprepared. <laughs> that would be. Oh, there we go. We do it. We could do this for this season, or we could do like a lose your hero mini season, where you're not the one, you're not the chosen, where you're deli- you're most decidedly the least chosen heroes. Yeah. <laughs> Either that, or we'll end up doing some type of cutesy. Oh God! Actually, so I'm going to bounce this off to you, and then probably Tom will run screening into the woods when he listens. Have you guys played Monster Hearts? No. No. What is it? That? Is a, it's a game about monster romance, where you are oh, all my. teens and monsters of some type. Oh. Amazing. Put that in The Witcher. <laughs> that would be so funny. Just do a, a high school AU adaptation of it. And then you could have Wallace Shawn be your biology teacher. See, we came full circle. We did it. <laughs> he's just, you're, you're just in the class and he's doing the whole scene and the princess pride with the voice. <laughs> <laughs> like that's his whole lesson. And then he ends up dead and comes back to life every class. Because he's a wannabe actor that filled out of it, turned into a biology teacher at his hometown. Mm-hmm. Ooh. <laughs> oh, my goodness. 
Now, before we wrap up, any last thoughts on uh, ruining, corrupting The Witcher, or otherwise what you hope to see in season two? They left it out a very meaningful cliffhanger at the end, sort of. I'm not going to spoil anything because you haven't seen it. And it's actually pretty, the whole story is pretty interesting. Um, so I'm definitely looking forward to the next season, just seeing what they do, because they do bring the whole story arc around in a circle in the end, which was pretty good. So it'll be very interesting what they do in the next season. I don't, I don't know what I'd like to see with it. I mean, I guess it all kind of depends where they're going to go with it for season two. Like if they're going to keep going with like the kind of jarring narrative that the whole season has had. I really hope they actually do the thing where they're like, okay, now we're in this time, in this location, in the beginning of each like jump scene because yeah. it helped tremendously. You, even just like a corner thing that's like location year kind of thing. Exactly. Oh, a slug line. Yeah. Time and location. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That would make sense just to give you a little bit of grounding. And usually they can be done without too much intrusion. Exactly. So I want to thank you guys again for joining us. Would you both, I'm going to make this offer as something to folks who are willing to support us because, hey, it's that time to talk about it. Tom, Dave, and I, and Stephen, too, have been talking about some miniseries to spin off or things to kind of delve into. And if you guys are interested in, like, actually digging into The Witcher for the season, doing more of this, let me know. Uh, If you guys, the fans, are interested, of course, you can let us know on Facebook, Twitter, and on the Patreon or in the Discord if you're part of that. And if you really want to see more of this stuff, you can support us on the Patreon so that we can produce more of these wonderful insanities for you and run more awful, awful game adaptations to horrify all of you with. <laughs> but yeah, Ani and Nigel, if you guys are really interested in doing a Witcher spinoff series, miniseries for this season, we can do that. And I'd be down. Cool. Yeah. If we do find a system like uh, Zweihander, because... I, I was just I was looking quickly on like RPG drive through to see if there were any PDFs. Um, but I'll have to do a little more digging at some point. Give Dave a tag too, because he has a, a pretty healthy collection of systems. Okay. Uh, most of my think are within the apocalypse world because or played powered by the apocalypse because those tend to work well for the online medium. Although we could go truly old school capital S K O and do five E. I mean, we could. I've actually never played it. I don't know if you have. I, I have no desire to run it, but I wouldn't be. I mean, I the thing of it is, is that if we were to do 5e, I could use a lot of the homebrew stuff I've gotten from DMs Guild to work with that. Oh, my. Yes, so here we go. If you fans all decide to support us, we will let Andrew trot out the nightmares he's been hiding from us. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I mean, if if uh, if we're doing like a five E, if we're doing a Witcher game specifically, I think I'd like to use a different system. Sure, but if we just do a five E game, I can definitely set that up with all the tips, tricks, and eldritch horrors that are in my folders. <laughs> uh, and if you want to put that in for our Seven Samurai rotation, let us know on the Discord, and we'll okay add it in there. Neither Dave nor I will mind letting someone else run some games. We are we both love to, but as you guys will find out during our last best hope, which is coming up next, we do have a certain kind of joy in making life miserable for the one running it too. <laughs> 
as long as it's entertaining for our dear fans. So yes, follow us online, leave comments on the Anchor Weekly Oddcast and Motorola's Anchors. We can even get voice messages from you guys. So leave us your lovely voices, which we will share the best of on the show. And Ani and Andrew, do you want people to find you online or would you prefer to still be known as of the internet? You can find me with Lou Facilia on all the socials. Andrew? Twitter. I My Twitter handle is 64loco, but it's at Arcane Lord. So. Thank you guys again. Next time we will resume with Tom returning from the Shrieking Void to talk about Dragonlance, both the music and the Russian musical. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so glad we found that. So that's all for tonight. If you like what you hear and you want to show your support, you can subscribe to us at patreon.com slash Diaries. That's with a Y for a dollar or more. There are all kinds of rewards, including access to our online workshop and Discord. Of course, if you have a story of your own that you'd like to share, or have us revise, you can write to us at my name, dot my last, and hear me diaries. See you all next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.